So we're back. We're slightly delayed this week with uh, why are we delayed? Well, one hundred two two. Well, it's been a big week. Uh, we had public lectures. We had uh, your IPL, uh, and yeah, it's just been busy. It's been busy. Yeah. Hopefully, we haven't disapp- disappointed our hordes of uh, fans who've been out there waiting for the podcast to drop. But it's coming now. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Get your glass of uh, whatever you're drinking and uh, gather around the fireplace because some knowledge is about to drop. Um, Will, you know, this week I was we, we were talking actually after Monday's class. And for those of you who are in Monday's class, I think you can test, testify to this. Uh, there was a lot of kind of information. It was pretty wide-ranging. Will was trying to cover a big, a big chunk of texts and history and, and ideas and from, you know, gods and goddesses through to... You know some of the epics, the Mahabharata and the Ramayana, and um, and notions of de- devotion. Will, what do you think? Give us some takeaways for the students. Do a little bit of digesting for us. Yeah, I, I guess it's true that there is a huge, there was a huge amount. Um, I was covering a lot of ground, and I guess that is that is the first takeaway uh, that this is an incredibly rich tradition, um, and it's rich in in all dimensions. So. I mean, you would argue that the Bible, the Quran, and the Hadith are, are, are rich texts and so on. Uh, but in Hinduism, you just it's just turned up to 11, right? There's even more texts. Mm. Uh, so that I guess that is part of the point, that the, mm. the, the sheer richness of the variety of stories, the variety of texts, the revi- variety of deities, the variety of practices, and it's just, uh, what's that Oscar-winning movie? Um, everything here now always no everything always all at once so everything everyone wants i mean that's what hinduism is like uh it's both and it's 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 Mm. it's it's never either or so that would be my first takeaway i guess the anxiety that that might provoke in a student is how am i supposed to remember all of this um and the answer is you don't you don't have to remember uh, all of the details uh, of all of this uh the richness is there and acknowledging that and acknowledging that any answer you give is only going to cover part of that is is fine can i also maybe just say that you know a lot of the material when will, when will talks about about the ramayana or the mahabharata we won't have time to cover it in the class but at least when you do some research on your own you'll at least know the word or kind of have a sense of what it is and you can sort of do some directed study yourself for that um down the line and hopefully you know will's whet your appetite a little bit for the kinds of things that are out there, unlike other classes where we're, they might want to cover off a certain amount of content. A lot of what we're doing is just giving you a lay of the land, and I think this this week's class was a good example of that. Yeah, I think in lectures, generally speaking, what I'm trying to do is is provide a map, you know, point out uh, the major contours. Uh, you can't do that without describing some of the features, but yeah. it's not necessary to memorize every feature on the map but to have a sense of the scale mm. uh, the dimensions of, of, of what we're looking at and then in essays and in preparing for exam questions you you're going to want to zoom in on a part of that tradition uh, and you know look at the details look at how it works but but it's it's difficult to grasp all of them but as we've said before this is a hundred level paper mm. it's a survey uh, and we're we understand what it's reasonable to to expect um I mean, I did make that a little harder this week in that I would normally have included a summary slide at the end, uh, and I didn't do that this week. Uh, and I think 
my three takeaways on on the summary slide would be i mean the first one just is the sheer variety of divinities gods goddesses um there are some patterns within them but there is just this overwhelming variety that that is definitely the first uh the first takeaway point uh second point would be um the way in which hinduism deals with this variety it's comfortable with this variety it doesn't feel the need to specify there's only one way but at the same time it has this uh habit of mind of uh identifying one thing with another and one thing stands in for another so in the, in the framework of the three paths we've seen in the course so far the path of action focuses on sacrifice and when the path of knowledge uh, comes in and points to new practices of physical bodily asceticism punishing the body those practices are new but they're also reinterpreting sacrifice they also renunciation which is giving something up which is something that you do in practice so you can see how this works but renunciation becomes takes the place of sacrifice mm. is what sacrifice so you're not giving up sacrifice even though you're doing something different mm. Mm. and then in turn once devotion comes in uh the the practice of devotion what you what you do in devotion is you give up attachment to the fruits of your devotion the fruits of your actions which is interpreted as the true renunciation so renunciation is not giving up acting it's continuing mm. to act in the world but giving up the fruits of your actions giving up that kind of attachment um and then mm. that leads to the third point which is the moral of all of these stories always is devotion is the right way to be in in the in the path of devotion or do you mean in all yeah in the path of devotion yeah, yeah sorry of all the, the the stories we dealt with this week it's it's always basically the same moral which is devotion to god is all that is necessary mm. um, and is rewarded. And there is also in that a kind of subtle hierarchy. So mm. uh, the paths are regarded as equal, and, and that's why they're keen to say that the, you know what we're doing in, in the path of devotion is the same as these other paths. Yep. They're, they're all valid. But what's special about the path of devotion is that it's easier, mm. and everybody can do this stuff. It's hard to commission a sacrifice. It's hard to be an ascetic, be a renouncer, but everybody, and particularly in the, the age where we live, where everything's going to hell, this is the best path. And it's God's grace that has uh, uh, laid this path out for us. So in, just in quickly, this. what Will's referring to, that everything's going to hell, there is an idea in Hinduism... In of, every religion. In every religion of, in, in the case of Hinduism, uh, four ages, in which during every age things get progressively worse. And the idea is that we're living in the worst stage called the Kali Yuga, the, the, the Yuga, the era of Kali. And everything's really hard now. And therefore, in, in, in his, you know, what he was just saying, Bhakti is basically the most tractable path towards salvation, yeah. towards moksha. People live less time. Priests are corrupt. Uh, people are attracted to vices rather than virtue. Or, you know, we've fallen away from a golden age. So you're right that Hinduism has this four yuga structure, which is, is unusual. But every religion, I think, has yes. this idea of a golden age from which we have it declined. Does. And and that's why bhakti is, is, is not the best path. It would be better if everybody was virtuous and we performed sacrifices. But in the, in the awful times in which we find ourselves, bhakti is mm. the, the best way. Uh, Although I, I have to say, th this is explicit in some places, but you know, as the bhakti tradition evolves, 
I don't think you would read that in a lot of bhakti texts. In a lot of the bhakti texts, it's the bhakti is the fruition of all the other paths, right? So that it's, um, you know, I think what Will said is really nice that uh, for a change that um, the the path of jnana, the path of of knowledge, basically takes the the, path, the earlier path of sacrifice, internalizes it, and reframes it and makes it its own. And then again, with the bhakti path, at least in the Bhagavad Gita, the example that he gave. Uh, with um, Arjuna and Krishna speaking to each other this week, it's the path of knowledge that's then internalized and reframed and 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 sort of transformed into a path of devotion. So that the real knowledge, once you have real knowledge of of the universe, uh, what what makes sense is not um, is devotion, devotion to to the deity, right? And so in each case, there's a it is the fruition of all these other paths and. Uh, not not just not just because it's the Kali Yuga, but because it's also the you know what you would understand if you if you had all the knowledge in the world that that bhakti is the true way, yeah. and 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 there's lots of, um, I think you know the other point that Will made this week is that there's lots of ways of imagining this devotion. So one way is total basically giving all your action to the deity. So in the Bhagavad Gita, Arjuna acts in a way that's um, Selfless in the sense that he's 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 uh, purely acting out of devotion to the, the Dharma, the right thing to do, the the, the thing, the, the way in which the deity would, in which Krishna, in this case, uh, would direct. But in later texts, um, you know, the, the the model of devotion is like this amorous love between Krishna, uh, you know, Krishna and the cowherds, right? So that the love of the the model of devotion to the deity. De- de- Sorry, I'm stuttering here. Is the devotion to the de- 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 <laughs> devotion to the deity? Devotion to the deity. It's a tongue twister. It's a, uh, say it, say it many times fast. That model it also has different kind of exemplars. Exemplar. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Sorry, yep. that was a very ineloquent way of saying it. Okay, uh, I think before we finish, we should also talk about the second lecture this week, which was on essay writing. Uh, yeah, the more the more inspiring and exciting of the two lectures. Um, <laughs> This is what I want to say about that. Some of you will wonder, why did Ben spend all this time talking about arguments? And the reason I do is because, I, you know, just like Will wants you to have a flavor, the, the rasa, the essence, the, the smell of Hinduism, I want you to have a smell of, like, the writerly kind of uh, the joy of writing. And the best way to kind of enjoy what you're writing about, the best way to get excited and to, to really want to look for evidence is to think about what you're writing in terms of an argument. You know, why is it a little controversial? Why is it that someone might doubt you? You know, wh- it's fun to try and change people's minds. And so um, if you go into an essay with that attitude, that is writing the essay as an argument, um, I just think you're going to have more fun with it and you're going you're to do all the, the other steps will fall into place much more easily. It won't just seem like a rote exercise. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I think it's the the real trick is to uh, show what you know. So you know you need to present facts in the course of your argument, but just reciting a series of facts is not an essay. It's not an argument. It's just a descriptive. Mm. Uh, and, and the real the high marks and the fun, as you say, is in uh, organizing the facts, organizing the material in a way that's that's going to convince somebody who isn't already convinced. Um, of those things, and if you look at the kind of writing that you're going to be asked to do in the, you know other contexts in your life, particularly going into the workplace, so much of it is about you know 
bringing people over onto yep. your side, uh, writing in a persuasive manner. Yep. Um, I mean, it's it's a it's a key key skill, and certainly in the university, it's not just our our classes that 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 reward this. It's yeah. going to be other classes that you take. So I, yeah. I just think about you know when my kids come home from school, I'll say you know what did you do do today? I.e., give me a description, and they'll be like blah blah blah, and they're not that excited. But Jesus, what? Sorry, or whatever. Uh, when they start trying to convince me that they should get TV when I don't think they should get TV, all of a sudden they're making an <laughs> argument. They get really excited. You know? And that's true of everything in your life, right? That, that if, you can, if you can see the argument in, the, uh, in, in your various you know, university classes, you're going to have a lot more fun. Unfortunately, your children are dealing with a skilled argumenter who, who provides a counter-argument for why they should not watch TV, but why they should eat their spinach. Uh, wash their clothes, uh, wash their faces and go Meditate. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) It's all fun in the Chantal household. That's right. Um, Well, anything else, Will? Uh, No, I'm just going to try and dive for that button before you start the beatboxing. I'm going to beatbox. Ready? (laughs)